Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buckle up for an unfiltered dose of comedy. Full disclosure, I've had a lot of sex, but honestly, having sex with me is like buying a Prius. It's much quieter than you'd expect. Epics presents Unprotected Sets. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jingle Jared. In my former occupation, I was the biggest jingle writer of all time. Now, I'm looking for a new job, speaking to every entrepreneur that I can find so I can find out what it's like to transition from one career to another. All of this expert advice has become the bedrock for a podcast I'm calling Occupational Therapy. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live from the Dream Hotel in Hollywood, California, this is Lips LA on Dash Radio. Hey guys, it's Scott Lips. Welcome to the show today. Super excited today to have on one of my favorite rock bands of the moment, The Struts. Their music has been described as unabashedly over-the-top, retro-fetished classic rock. They're glamorous and dangerous. Wow, that's a lot of description. But such a great band, bringing back rock and roll. Super happy to have them here. Super excited. I've been friends with these guys for many years. Um, I'd love to see them exploding at the moment. I think them and Greta Van Fleet and some other bands are really holding the flag for rock and roll at the moment. They're going to be walking in the studio in just a moment. Uh, I kind of look at their music as a mixture of Queen, The Stones, The Killers, Oasis. But the band is always described as glamorous, dangerous. You guys have the full package. Uh, Truth be told, we've been friends for quite a while. But you have the songs, you have the looks, you've got everything, the stage presence. I was lucky enough to see you guys at the Roxy probably... What, six months ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, June. was it? Yeah. June. And well, was, thank you for that introduction. What we're an incredible show, by the way. You're bringing back rock in a thank major you. way. And, and I want to introduce all you guys. So we have Luke, Adam, Jed, Gethin, also known as The Struts. How are you guys doing today, by the way? Great. Oh, wow. Great. Really, great. Really great to be here. It's actually nice to be back in LA. It's been... Um, for six hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always good. Always enjoy the sunshine. And uh, it's great to be here. And you're off to Australia, right? We are. Awesome. We are. That's your first... Is that, that co-headlining with Greta Van Fleet, I believe? Uh, we, we're opening up for them for just over uh, a week. But it's going to be great. We've never played Australia ever before. So it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, how the Aussies do. take to us. Yeah. Well, you've been there though, right? I yeah I, I have Geff's got family out there I just so got back. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, so. I think I read somewhere, I heard somewhere that New Zealand was one of your favorite places to go on holiday, right? One of you guys. That Somebody. was mine, actually. That yeah. was your, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were, actually, I saw you were with the elephants somewhere, like in Thailand recently. Yeah, I just got cool. back from Thailand. We've had, that's what Christmas is fun for. Sometimes when you're in a band, you don't get to go home then, but this year we were lucky enough to go on some little breaks. So, and yeah. normally I look at my Instagram feed and I see you with like guitars and rock and roll and audiences. This one was you like petting uh, an elephant or something. The oh, other mate, day. best day of my life. So um, <laughs> listen, I'm so happy you guys are here. I want to take it back to the beginning because part of what we do here a lot of times is talk about your journey. For me, your music is like all things rolled into one. Obviously, everybody always talks about the Heavy Queen reference, but you know, the Stones, the Killers, who I know you love, Oasis, the, everything rolled into one. And obviously you have your own sound, which is incredible the songs are amazing you're originally from derby england right and i want to talk about the history of how you guys started you know really take me back to the beginning from when you were a child and i know your father was into gospel music and mm -hmm. they were somewhat supportive from what i understand right yes yeah i mean so the band was was born in in derby but we're actually from different places in the uk adam's the, the only true darbarian in the uh, in the band, Darbarian, That's a great word. Yeah, it's actually yeah, it's a word. <laughs> is, it, is it a word? <laughs> they, they do call him Darbarian. Oh, okay. Really? No, wow. That's yeah, great. Uh, that was a shot in the dark. Yeah. Like and barbarian, I, but Darbarian. Yeah. yeah okay. um, so yeah, I, I guess since from a very young age, um, I always enjoyed like performing. Like you said, you know, my my dad um, still is. Uh, like a, a gospel kind of singer-songwriter, and he kind of works that into his sermons by using music. So you grew up in a religious household. Yes, but yes. But your parents were into Queen. I think that was your mother's first record. It was. It was my mum, and, and that yeah. was the weird thing. She, she kind of had this musical past, which really wasn't ever talked about until I started getting into Queen. And she was like, Bohemian Rhapsody was the first single i ever bought amazing as a child so we kind of connected on that and then yeah i just sort of like developed this very strong love and connection with with everything in that era and my school band kind of broke up and adams was on the verge of kind of breaking up at that time when we were introduced by uh, our manager at the time. So you had a manager when you were like 16 or something? No, it was I was actually 20. Okay. And Adam was, how old were you when we first met? 17. 17. I will tell you that I, I actually watched this amazing video of you guys today where you were talking about the naughtiest things you ever did in school. Yes. And we can probably get into that a little bit. Oh, but God. Your yeah, stories from that. school are pretty incredible. So I do want to reference the school stories in a little bit. But so you met in school... You started playing music at like 20 years old, right? Well, we, we, we were both in different schools okay. in different parts of the country. And, and I had left school, was thinking about going to university, went to university for about a month, dropped out. And then that's when I got a message from uh, the manager at the time who said, um, would you be up for meeting this guy called Adam? And you actually wanted to be a dancer, which is amazing because when you see you guys perform, you could tell like the theatrics and it all comes <laughs> into play. None of you other guys want to be dancers, right? I, I can dance very well, but <laughs> I, I didn't want to be there. It's just that I'm a burden with, you know? But you did. Isn't that true, though? Because I know Michael Jackson was a big inspiration. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was super into that. And it was the first thing I, I truly fell in love with was, was movement and, I guess, choreography to, to an extent. I mean, whether those dreams would have really come into fruition is is something I'll, I'll never really know. Right, of um, course. But 
You definitely, there was a little Mick Jagger phase, I would assume. See, that's the weird thing. Like when I first started singing in a band when I was like 16, 17, everyone was always sort of saying, oh, it's, you know, it's very Mick Jagger. And I was like, I I really wasn't a massive fan of like uh, Mick Jagger and the Stones at that specific point when I was 16. Um, But it just turns out we both have the same kind of influences. You know, we're both white guys trying to dance like, you know, our favorite black musicians right like james brown michael jackson and the jackson five and you know everything else that kind of comes with that and i think that's the the jagger mannerisms you know and adam were you into the same kind of music growing up i mean was it also for you queen and and the stones or what or did you have other references yeah no not for me really it was um like my first band i loved was green day oh wow okay. and then i kind of got into oasis when i was about 16 and the beatles and then um it kind of, I mean, if I'd met Luke a year earlier, I probably wouldn't have got on with him because I didn't, I wasn't ready for that kind of music. But then I started just getting into like bands like Slade and, yeah. Uh, I don't, Slade never really broke in America. They no. were more a British thing. Yeah. And they, yeah. I mean, they were huge because I, when I told my mom like I was into the, these bands, she was like, oh, you should check this band like Mott the Hoople and stuff right, like that. Right, great band. And then when I met Luke, it was kind of, um, he was like, oh, you should listen to this. And, and when we, we used, I didn't like the Stones either. And then we started doing like cover gigs and stuff like that. Because you guys actually had a different rhythm section initially, right? We did. And those guys are pissed now because you guys (laughs) have done what you guys got, you know, the the two new guys in the band. But it's sort of like Pete Best is like, fuck, I I messed up the Beatles, you know? I I, I mean, it it, it kind of like ended um, very bittersweetly. Right. It always Um, does, right? You know, yeah, it always does. Um, It's it's very tough. But I think, you know, we, we landed on our feet. And it was, it was looking back like a change that needed to happen. And yes, it was difficult at the time, but you know, I wouldn't change it now for anything. So in, in fact, you have two albums out. Your new mm-hmm. record just came out in October and a bunch of EPs and singles and stuff like that. But the band's actually been together about 10 years. I don't think a lot of people know. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's been, we've been slogging away for a very long time. And I, I think in a lot of ways, we kind of view ourselves really like beginning since coming to the States. Yeah. You know, even though there was like five years before that, things really started to get focused and dare say more professional um, and a amb- bit more ambitious when we came to the States. Stepping it up a notch. But so exactly. you guys met, you started playing music. It was covers first. And what were you, were you covering Mott the Hoople? And was it Queen? Uh, or, Cause it, Queen is hard to cover. So. No, it was like ACDC, uh, what else? Uh, the Stone, lot, lots of Stone songs. James Brown. James Brown. Um, Led Zeppelin. Bowie. Bowie. Yeah. I never would Oasis. try and play Led Zeppelin because as a drummer, you, you know, you know, you just can't yeah. play it as good, right? No, it's I don't think the drummers so. at the time were even playing <laughs> right. it that, that good. Yeah, like, I don't even. This is before we even had a band. It was just me, Luke, and my cousin, and, okay. his, and like some friends from my village. So, so then so. you got the two other guys. Yeah. Okay. And then what happened after that? Well, and then me and Adam decided to, you know write songs and we we recorded like a very small ep with a couple of other additional players which we then took to record labels we eventually got signed by like a small um indie label and then we got the previous rhythm section and then literally quite soon after that within the year the label went bust wow 
What and label was it? I don't it know. was Future Records. Okay. It was Universal as well. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. And back then, the temperature for rock and roll was different too, right? You were coming out of a time period with Oasis and all these bands. So hip-hop wasn't as prominent as it is now, where it's like it was. Everything. It was, at the time, it was kind of like, in the UK anyway, it was very... Um, like poppy, like boy bandy. It was the Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, like, you know, Red One productions and stuff like that. That was what was big when we were signed back then. And, uh, boy yeah. bands, boy bands with and guitars. Bands, yeah. And, you know, One Direction, I guess. I don't know. It wasn't no, a lot no, but- of rock and roll then, but like kind of like similar now, but instead of the, the huge hip hop rap thing, it was more just boy pop, bands. Yeah. And pop music. Things nobody, nobody was pushing you guys times. to be a boy band. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. No. I mean, they definitely had stuff to say about, you know, like my hair and what I, I was wearing. Fashion-wise, I think it was, yeah. Right. So, and initially you guys sort of, because you were, you were referencing, obviously, there's all these bands that you like growing up and they all had amazing images, right? Mm-hmm. Aerosmith and Queen and the Stones and, and Zeppelin and everyone, right? So the 70s glam thing was, was a big inspiration, I would imagine, on you. There's no way it, it couldn't have been. And so that early on your image started to form when you guys got together because I don't I actually never saw a picture of you get from like 10 years ago maybe saw, maybe there was a throwback I Thursday, saw one so. today and we looked <laughs> terrible <laughs> I, I think Luke definitely took the took the lead can on we it. see one at some point because I, yeah, I need the record yeah we'll send you some but was it was it heavy glam what was it it was um, I mean the old lineup was, was like mad glam like, was it it was, fringes and like just a big booth on it, we, we went through a very um difficult time period where you know i I, ha- I did have a very strong clear vision of what i wanted it to be visually and that whether it was the record label that we were with at the time or the management that we were with at the time it was like this constant back and forth of no, you need to be looking like this and no you need to be looking like that what and, were they trying to push you towards you know just just a lot more digestible um and dare say normal right. you know um i mean when i remember when jed and um gethin joined the band we were under a tremendous amount of pressure through sort of inside dealings that were going on on what, why we were on a certain label you know and i was pressured that i had to honor that and you know i ended up cutting my hair dying it black i mean that's the reason why it's black now you know i just right. ne- i just <laughs> i just can never look back it. right um so yes i mean we it's the image has always been very important but it's also something we that we've had to fight for for quite a while and since coming to the states since changing our management finally for the first time in sort of quite a while we've been able to sort of really express ourselves and remain true to the vision. And was the Struts the first name that you guys settled on? Because I heard that you guys were at a rehearsal, you were strutting around, and somebody yeah. was like, hey, that's the name of the band, right? We were it's... toying with other ideas, but I mean... What it's were like, some of the names? We had Baby Strange. Not a bad name. Um, there was actually a band that called... There is yeah, a band, yeah. Yeah, right? called Baby Strange. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that was after. Um, yeah. God, what else? Like Dynamo Hum. <laughs> what is was that? It? I don't know, it was just a name oh, that was yeah. floating around. Was uh, that one about a bridge? A bridge. Oh, the Devon Bridge, bridge Society. Society. <laughs> that sounds like a crime novel or something. Oh, I know. A stick, we'll never know. Sounds like a Ray Davies album. <laughs> right. um, so you guys, did you all live together at some point? Yes, we did. Cool. So um, we lived in a house in Derby. What was that like? Was that like Fun. Sex, sex, drugs, and rock and roll? It, you know what? I <laughs> no mean, sex. <laughs> a lot of drugs and rock and roll. Right. Um, no sex. I mean, there was a fair amount of sex, to be right. fair. Uh, 
It was. Have you seen Train Spotting? I have, yeah. yeah I didn't know. understand a word of it, to be honest, because the hey, accent's it's like a Cockney accent. <laughs> is it me, or is it. If you're not from there, it's hard it's to understand. Scottish, really yeah. thick Scottish accent. I didn't know what was going on in that movie. It, it, was, it was very debaucherous. Yeah, it was. Um, those, those, those years that we were uh, living together. So, um, so, and take us through the, you know, because again, people think maybe that if they're just tuning in now and this is your second record, that you guys are sort of like an overnight sensation, but it's been 10 years mm-hmm. and it's been constant touring. And by the way, if we haven't mentioned it so far, I mean, the Foo Fighters, you've opened up for Guns N' Roses, the Rolling Stones, the yeah. Who, is, I mean, not alone Led Zeppelin, you haven't opened up for, but almost everyone that's major in rock, I feel yeah. like you guys have played with, so which is pretty incredible. And I know we're going to get to some of those stories, but. Um, but from that to do, you know, you're, for, you know, you're opening up for the stones and you're like, how did I get here? Right. So you get the record deal, you start playing. And before you know it, you know, you have to make some changes in the band and the band, you know, the labels are pushing you to certain things. So where does it go from there? So, you know, we start basically really hitting the road and basically going from strength to strength. We, we put out our debut in the United Kingdom, um, which, you know, received, no real kind of attention whatsoever due to things that were beyond our control however we just pressed on we did like some uk tours all of a sudden we found um a fantastic radio station in paris called we fm started playing a couple of our songs and we were doing like 500 capacity clubs in the uk and then we suddenly went to france and we were doing these massive festivals and you know, these great gigs in Paris and all over the country. And that's how we got the Rolling Stones show. Um, and so you get a call one day. I don't know yeah. if it's Ben or Adam or someone calls you. Were these guys managing no, at the time? No, no, okay. it wasn't them at it was the time. someone else. Yeah. So someone else calls you, whoever the manager was at the time, and said, hey, guys, we got this little gig for you. You're going to open up for the Stones. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy shit, there's no way this is like a real thing. Right? Well, the funny thing is we were playing at the Lincoln Imp in Scunthorpe, which is this tiny little pub. I don't even know what that is, but it's it a sounds, very spinal tap. It sounds, <laughs> as, it, it is as glamorous as it sounds, Scunthorpe. So we're, we're sort of there and on, in all honesty, we, we were really kind of contemplating like our career and, you know, is anything that we're doing right? And, right. you know, do we need to sort of rethink everything? Anyway, we get the phone call and it says, yeah, in, in less than two weeks, you're going to go out and you're um, you're going to be opening up for the Stones, and were you just like, this is not? There's no way this is. We real. were just like, we basically played in front of sixty people that night as if it was sixty thousand. Amazing, like, you know. amazing. So you get that call, your life changes right away. You're like, I'm actually going to be on stage with the Stones. It's incredible. And all of a sudden, you're like, you have to rethink things, or you're like, this is it. This is our path to really making it now. It was it was definitely a, a great moment where we thought. Uh, trusting our instincts had, had led us up to that point. Okay. Um, and pretty much after that, it kind of gave us the confidence to um, look around us and sort of, you know, really think, is this kind of what we want? We ended up changing our managers uh, and perfectly timed our UK record label deal was basically coming to an end. So and what was the first was Kiss that the first song kiss that really this? Kiss this sorry was Kiss the, was that the first one that really sort of stuck with people would you say it was it was actually could have been me so we ended up changing management and Ben as you know great guy, great guy. Um, and has a great relationship with a lot of um, 
great stations over here in the US yep. was like, look, I think this song is great. The fact that it has been played in the UK or really anywhere apart from France, I think is a great thing. Let's use it to our advantage, take it over to America. And of course, one thing led to another and then it ended up, you know, going top five in the alternative chart. And then we've just been here ever since definitely and you guys because you guys have been in the band of what how much at that point would it have been a year would uh, you say I'd say no, we, we yeah, we, like seven years ago yeah, yeah but 20, at that point when the stones call came oh that was probably like three yeah a couple it was, years, it was about three okay. years we and were, we were like holy shit you know we joined great. this band a couple of years ago we never thought this would happen well yeah i mean we've been through a lot in those three years to be fair yeah like, like luke was saying we were in that room contemplating what we're going to do next <laughs> and all of a like sudden. some Messiah Mick Jagger just calls. Well, you don't actually call, but you know, <laughs> someone get, called in his yeah, behalf. We, yeah, we get offered the stones, so that was definitely our I think our savior. Was there a, a lot of Spinal Tap moments before that? I love these stories because you watch that movie like this couldn't really happen in yeah, real life, but it does happen. Yeah, it's definitely based on true stories for sure. I, I, I I've definitely <laughs> ended up doing like my makeup literally <laughs> once in a uh, in a broom cupboard where we we had no Amazing. we had no dressing room or anything and I needed to get changed. And I was like, is there anywhere I can go? And the guy was like, take the broom cupboard. Literally go in here and there was a bunch of brooms, there was no light, I had a mobile phone just like <laughs> going around and what else? Well, I mean, you pro- I'm sure a, there was gigs where you played in front of five people, right? We did Ten a, people. Five. We'd, we'd be lucky. One. Um, we, 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 swapped li- we swapped the lineup around when we played in uh, Leicester, I believe, to two people. Wow. So and then it's almost like, like, what do you, did you, were you like, why am I doing this? Well, we or? swapped instruments. <laughs> so guess what up with the mic. I was on the drums. Like, <laughs> think, yeah, you played <laughs> drums. We swapped guitar and bass. Did anybody know. tape that? Because that'd be great. There was no one else taped. There was literally one person because one of them was the sound bartender, and the sound guy left, and then the other person was my cousin. Amazing. What's what's mad with that is actually it was within the same six months of doing shows like that that we did the Stones gig. Wow, amazing! It was a bit of a kind of we messed with our heads a bit. We'd come back from France, and we I remember walking in. We were signed for this festival because of the airplane in France, and we walked in. There was a massive air hangar. And we were playing on this stage and there was like 7,000 people there. And you went from the, literally the night before playing in yeah, uh, yeah. the Spinal Tap moments. Yeah, and we landed like full of ourselves like, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're getting somewhere. Then right. played this gig in Leicester and there was no one there. So. Amazing. It must be a great feeling though to know that Jagger and Rich, all those guys heard you guys and were like, yeah, these guys should open up for us because that's an incredible, you can't it, ask it, for a better compliment than that. It was right? fantastic. I mean, and that specific show actually led us to go on and open up for them uh, a few more times, which was, was, was it, la- it wasn't last year, was it? Yeah. It was last year. Yeah, we did Luca in Italy and um, Switzerland. Switzerland. And yeah, it was great. I mean, it was great to sort of like... Did you get to hang with them? We, I mean, th- so with those bands like that, yeah. everything is super like locked down yeah, yeah. And, and it can be quite difficult, but... We yeah, I mean, we ended up saying hello to them really quickly, you know, having a picture and yeah. and, that and was having kind a quick of, that catch was up. That was a spinal tap moment when we we were playing the Switzerland like it was a football stadium, like massive. You think they have so many changing rooms? We were put in like this oh, little yeah. curtained off drink. bit in the middle of the foyer, <laughs> oh, like people, like the public, and they just had the struts on them, like comic sans on a piece of paper. And those are the moments so, you're like, people only saw this side of the business, yeah, right? right? That's so funny. So, so you got the picture, but you didn't really get a chance to hang with them because people don't always know what that's like when we, you get to perform with a band like when that. When we actually opened up them for the first time, we, we watched the sound check and Mick actually came off stage and then clocked eyes 
with us and then came over and, and we chatted for like 20 minutes. He's a great guy. I had dinner with him a couple of years ago. Yeah. It was the greatest moment of my life and the nicest guy. And it was real for me. It was like, do I ask him for a picture? I wanted to get a picture, but I didn't want to. I was like, a, a, you know, like a, a little girl. Like I didn't really yeah. want to. Do I get his number? Do I not? But incredible. But what a great, what an amazing experience. So you've gone on from that. So now you guys are touring with bands like the Foo Fighters and I know you toured with Motley Crue and uh, The Who, which is incredible. So which is your favorite tour so far? Because I still want to understand how you go from that to even recently you did the VS show. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in between. Yes. But um, just on a side note, is there a favorite tour that you've done? I definitely the say yeah. it's got to be The Foos. Right. I think... Because you guys have become friends now. Yeah. And, like and it thing. was it was a big tour. We were like pretty much out with them on and off for like a year. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing with that is we, we got offered like the first bunch of dates and then it got towards the end and then Dave would be like can you do more are you available would you like <laughs> right. to do more we were like right. yeah of course so yeah. we did that I mean and you were doing under pressure with Taylor and that's what I was going to yeah. say but I mean that for me is something that no one can ever take away like when I when I close my eyes and think about it and and I'm singing and Taylor's like there to my left and Dave's behind on the drums you're like this is surreal it's it was a beautiful thing definitely you know so, all right, so, you know, you're opening up for the Stones. At some point, um, Zonda Rhodes, who actually designed the clothes of Freddie Mercury, also yeah. designed clothes for you, right? And obviously there's the inevitable comparisons. You guys are probably sick of talking about the movie and Queen or not. But how did, that, how did that come about, right? Because that's even a crazy comparison. Well, that was actually my mum. So that was before, uh, it was the two weeks leading up to doing the show um, with the Rolling Stones in France. And I was just like... It's 75,000 people. I need right. something big, you know. And I was actually just chatting to my mum, funny enough, about it. And, you know, I was shown pictures. She's like, well, what, you know, what, think about it. What, what, what kind of thing are you going for? I was like, you know, it's got to be something big. We were looking at pictures of Freddie, like, in the early days in the 70s. Like the striped jumpsuit and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, and, and she was like, well, why don't you call her up? So I ended up finding her email and I, I just sent her a was message. Was she working at that point? Was she She's like not a with artists? Okay. No, she does a lot of stuff for like um, the opera and, stuff, and, sure. and ballet. Um, and, you know, funny enough, she messaged me straight back the Amazing. next day and was like, hey, come down to London. And that was great. That's I ended incredible. up going to a studio. She showed me all of the, um, the, the first cuts and the sort of like the, the, the design ideas of like all Queen's outfits. Wow, how and, incredible is that? So yeah. that was brilliant. And then recently for the last five or so years we've been working working with ray brown okay who's sure. dressed you know everyone alex turner yeah. gaga um a lot of great Monty people Crew. so from your your sort of <clears throat> awkward stage right where you told me about that stage to the point you're at now would you think that she had a hand in sort of your imaging because obviously she was designing your stage i mean she only whatnot, she so. only did three outfits for me okay um but it was they were i mean you talk about quality not quantity it was like I mean, those three specific outfits still now, you know, I, I, I'm getting tagged in pictures and, you know, a lot of press kind of like use those. And, and of course, everyone still wants to talk about it. Of and course. it's a great experience. I, I would say the stuff that we've done with Ray equally is, has got a great amount of attention. I mean, we talk about the Victoria's Secret fashion show, for instance. We didn't quite know um what they wanted styling wise and they were like well what, what are the band got so we showed them these new outfits that we had made by ray brown 
And they're like, they, we want to put you in some bras, like maybe the diamond bra. No, but they, they saw it and they were like, this is perfect. You know, this is perfect. I mean, funny enough, we're kind of going for like a, a black and gold theme for right. your section. And this works perfectly. So the, the Victoria's Secret wings were a great audition for Yeah, Gap. I managed to blag them. I think was, I saw uh, that picture. You tried them on, didn't you? I, I not only tried them on, I... You took them? On the, on the, well, I didn't take them. Oh, okay. He's the first yeah. man in the <laughs> history of Victoria's Secret fashion show to wear wings. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Some, some, some of the models were quite confused about how he managed to blag angry, that. angry, yeah. Right. Disappointed. They maybe. wanted them too. They didn't see my Victoria's Secret beauty, I guess. <laughs> right. But. <laughs> All right, so you do the Stone Show. Take me back one other second. Sorry, because I know we're, we're all over the place with this. But after the Stone Show, the record's starting to break, right? A mm-hmm. little bit. Singles are starting to, to kick in everywhere. And so at some point... You also got off that label, and, and Interscope is now your new home. So, where did that lead to you? You know, after those shows, like what happened after that? Well, that basically led us, you know, having a great deal of radio success here in the states, which in return just meant, you know, for the first time ever, we found ourselves on a bus, you know, a tour bus. Because you were, were in like, a van before. Oh that. yeah, I mean, yeah. we were even in a van at the very beginning, coming here for a little while, um, but eventually we ended up on a bus. You know, we acquired like a fantastic crew um who pretty much we're still with now um and people don't know how bored you get like sitting in a bus or van together i read the story i heard the story that you guys used to turn the heat up until one of you like passed out or you were like all right i I give uh throw up the flag right yeah you gotta be be pretty bored to do there's gotta be something going on that was back in the early days when when we were driving through france yeah we we used to do that quite a lot so what was it you would actually turn the heat up we would because would surrender or something we had a uh a, a little ford transit van and it would just be four of us with Adam's cousin driving. And uh, we'd just be so bored. We had like two hours before we got to the, the venue. Right. And I'd be like, right, let's play a game. You know, we've got to turn up all the heat, blast it. <laughs> in the and summer as well. In the summer. In the summer. Yeah, man, there's probably like a, a McDonald's meal from like two months ago. Oh, on my the, God. On the windshield. Yeah. She probably the, smelled incredible. Getting yeah. recooked yeah. up like a microwave. So we'd be like, we'd be there, and it would just be like, you know, forty-five minutes later, it's like all this hot air, and eventually it'd be like, someone would just go, please stop, and we just like wind all the windows down, and we'd get out, and we'd just be like covered in sweat. I surrender. Yeah, yeah, we'd literally be so bored. So then you guys, all right, let's. We got a bus. We're on tour in yeah. America. It's starting to happen for you. And at that point, did you sort of decide consciously? You were like, America is the place where we really want to. So to spend a lot of time, yeah. So really, because this is a big market for you guys, obviously, and, and it's probably hard being away from home a lot, right? You're constantly away from home, mm-hmm. or is it? I don't know. Maybe I think don't. last year was tough. We did four months out here without going back, wow. and that did. I think that was the first time, honestly, in three years of touring that I actually felt homesick for the first time. Because you guys all pretty much have girlfriends except for you, I believe, right? Yeah. Okay, the one single guy that I should be hanging out with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, so for the rest of you, well, your girlfriend comes on the road with you, right? She does, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you guys, and and I think your girlfriend comes on the road sometimes too. Yeah, she's also musician. Musician, right. She's in Little Mix. Right. But so it's hard, it is hard to be away from, you know, whether it's your girlfriend, your family for that many, you know, months at a time. So, but you made a real big commitment to break in America, mm. which is incredible. So, and at a certain point you got these calls, right? Guns and Roses called, yeah. the Foo Fighters called, and you're like, man, things are really starting to happen. And I want to talk about for a second the state of rock and roll, right? I'm sure like you guys see it happening now. Guns and Roses, the second biggest tour of the year, or second biggest tour of all time, I believe. 
the movies, right? Bohemian Rhapsody, even A Star Is Born, yeah. whatever it's worth. Mm-hmm. It's a music movie, probably the, you know one of the, the two biggest movies of the year. And so there is a bit of a shift going on, a cultural shift. And Ben and I were speaking about this article that about you know the state of rock and roll and Greta Van Fleet, a band that you guys are touring with. They just played Saturday Night Live the other day. So do you feel like there's a little bit of shift? Because for me, you guys are one of the greatest bands in this genre and definitely the guys that are holding the flag. It's probably why I connect with you so much because you know me, I'm really a rocker at heart. This is where mm-hmm. I come from. So what do you I've feel the about pictures. the state of rock and roll? Right, exactly. Um, I, I mean, it really hasn't changed for us from since the very beginning of when we kind of really started. And that's kind of like always been our, our motivation and something that we've found that we could, I, I, you know, in some ways kind of capitalize on it. And, and that's what we used to get excited about was the sheer lack of it. I think what's really exciting now is, like you said, there definitely is a shift um, of people's consciousness with a lot of great uh, music movies. Um, there are a lot of bands now, yeah. you know, over the last couple of years that are starting to come up and, and really kind of like play with a lot of passion. So who do you like band-wise, right? Do you like Rival Sons? Do you like any of these sort of like retro style We've bands? Uh, or- we've been out with a band called Glorious Sons. yeah. They're who, a Canadian who are a great band. band, Canadian band. They're really cool. cool. There's um, another band called White Reaper. Really right. cool. Are they toured yeah, with you guys, right? Yeah yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Who else do you guys like? You must all like different Sunflower stuff. Bean as well. well. Sunflower Bean we work with, and they were just on the show too. Yeah, oh, she, I, I think Julia. they're great. They're, they're, Julia's amazing. Their new EP I, I thought was yeah. fantastic. But and again, that to me is like a seven Fleetwood Mac kind of it vibe, is, right? Yeah, yeah sonically. Yeah. But there definitely is like a resurgence of, of um, sort of like young bands coming up and not being afraid to you know, play and sound how they, they truly want. So, yeah, I guess in 2017, rock music accounted for 20% of all the music consumed in the U.S., which I feel like it used to be 70%. So we got to get that number up a little bit. But uh, I love that you guys are doing it, and you guys are so authentic, and the songs are amazing. And so I want to talk a bit about, you know, your new record, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's great, and it just came out in October. And Kesha, the song with Kesha is actually Body Toss is getting a lot of play right now, top 40, right? Mm-hmm. So... You got to be excited because this record's still happening. There's a lot of buzz about the record. The VS show just happened for you guys, and so let's talk about the new record and, and kind of how it differs from you know your first album, which we were probably playing for about seven years, I'd assume, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, the new record, the writing process, is it different than you know years ago when you start? Because you guys started working on these songs on the first record years ago, right, Adam? Yeah, yeah we yeah. did. Yeah, yeah like could have been me and Kiss This were written in like 2011 and wow. then it came out in 2014 and then got re-released over here in 2016 so like got some real miles out of them songs and after seven years you guys like please let's just play some new songs yeah, we it's like one album material it's right like, oh, so we were definitely nice. itching and ready to, to, to start doing new stuff I, I'd say the biggest difference between the debut and, and our second album Young and Dangerous was was finding the time to sit down and do it because we were constantly doing On the road. shows. Right, right. And we would get like seven days, little tiny breaks, and we would be like, right, we've got to do stuff, and we've got to pretty much like finish it. Were there outside writers ever? Because I think I initially met you guys through my buddy Marty Fredrickson, who I yes. played drums with many years ago. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love. yeah. And that's how I think I connected with you guys. But do you ever use outside writers? On yeah. the first record, this record, you do, you do, right? I, I think it's, I mean... We we love writing as a band. Um, we we love sort of like uh, mixing our ideas up, um, and I think it's important 
that for the second album, we wanted to kind of spread our wings and and taste what like LA as well, especially had to offer. So we we, we ended up working with Butch Walker. Great, I love Butch. He's, He's great. He was brilliant, He's and the man. Um, you know, it wasn't. I think the great thing about this band, whatever it is that we do, and however the songs are written, the songs really do come from us, like the artists. And um, it's, you know, I mean, God, we've never had anything given to us, you yeah. know, like, hey. Here's a great would you, a yeah, song. You know, God, yeah. we could never do that. But yeah. I think it makes you grow as a writer. I think uh, one day, I think we, we all sort of like view ourselves as, um, as songwriters first and foremost. And when you, when you end up working with people, you do learn a lot. Definitely. You know, whether it's with Marty, for instance, who is an so absolute genius. Yeah, so laid back. You know, and, and, and a great producer as well. Mm-hmm. So you just take things and I think you, you, you apply that to your own work. And um, honestly, I think it shows on the second album. Definitely. It's gone. We've got stronger and stronger and stronger. Definitely. So you've had a, <laughs> any dream collaborations coming up? Well, Kesha was one. Kesha right? was brilliant. Um, I mean, tell us we, about that. Yeah. Body, you put out Body Talks and then you went in the studio. You sort of like produced it a little bit differently. Uh-huh. And she's on the single again. And now that single's getting a lot of traction. You performed at the BS show with it. So I also want to know how that came about because that's like every guy's dream in a band to play at the BS show. Yeah. Well, firstly, the, the song was written and recorded actually here in LA. Cool. Which was really great. Hollywood uh, Boulevard or something? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In this tiny little room. And in a broom closet. <laughs> yeah. Not, <laughs> not quite. Um, but yeah, it was, it was written, recorded here. And then... Once we, we had like the, the main track listing for Young and Dangerous, we, we were kind of toying with the idea of it would be great to have some sort of like duet. And we'd actually met Kesha quite a while back while we were playing a college show and she was playing. And um, we ended up chatting with her and, you know, we kind of really connected. Jed stayed in touch with her with, for quite a while. And yeah, we just thought, you know what? Body Talks, actually, when you think about it, is the perfect song for a guy and a girl to sing. It's, Definitely. It's all about two people meeting on the dance floor. Yeah. Anyway, so she says, yeah. So I end up going on a day off and, and flying back here while we were on tour to cut the vocal with her. And she, she didn't even know the words. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, well, I heard the first 10 seconds. I said, yes, I'll do it. So let's go over it, shall yeah. we? But it, it, it was great. She's, she's brilliant. She's... Um, she really brought something to the song. Definitely. I, I personally think it's, it's better than the band one. I, I think it's, you can't replicate the, the chemistry that we kind of had in the studio. All, all of the laughs, all of the screams. Yeah, there's like a bunch of ad-libbing yeah, going on in the song. That too, was all great, done yeah. like with just me and her with a microphone and we were just, you know, dancing around the room. And, you and know. the video was great too. Tell us about the video. Yeah, well, her brother stuff. directed it. Oh, amazing. I He's a great that. guy cool. and a great uh, director. And it was honestly, it was the most painless video shoot I think we've ever done. And we've, we've done some really big stuff, which has been brilliant. We've also done some low budget videos. I mean, we did a video for Prima Donna Like Me where we flew in and then we shot from, what was it, like 3 a.m. till 9 a.m. the next day. Wow. Um, so that one was fantastic. It was just, we turned up, did our bits. Um, her brother, like I said, was just really assertive, really great, directed the band fantastically. And, um, 
she just came in and just sort of you know was her usual self like an absolute star so we've got a lot of love for her awesome that was great it's a great song and so at some point you get the call to play the vs show yeah and does that come from ben or adam or one of you guys right so uh yeah i i, I remember it was ben actually telling us and and the funny thing is you know, I think he told me about a second later who was so excited. I, <laughs> he was like, yeah, so he was like, we, we got told it, and I remember the guys were like, oh, oh okay. And we, I was and you, expecting Yeah, you were excited. I know you were I excited. mean, I was. <laughs> well, to be fair, I didn't yeah. really know what it really was. Right. In, I remember all my school friends, like, the girls would get together and have, like, Victoria's Secret fashion show parties where they'll eat ice cream and watch these shows. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. But I'm I, still I, doing that, by the way. But yeah, was, right. it was, well, I never got invited. So it was really funny because we were all in the room and Ben said it. And I was like, wow, because I obviously knew it because, you know, Laura was telling me. Right, right. Like for ages, how like, you know, is. about, you know, how big of a deal it mm-hmm. is. And, and the guys were like, oh, and she was like, no, guys, this is like massive. Like, don't <laughs> right. you realize? Like, we were expecting some other news. We were, we were. I don't know so what we, it was. So, but, like, right. at the time, we were disappointed. I do remember it's the, it's the first time that my girlfriend has ever been jealous of something that's happened in our career. <laughs> she was like, I would kill for that yeah, game. Yeah, it's and amazing. I was like, oh, sick. Is it that good? She was like, it was good. Me, and then, so you get the call, you rehearse for like a week, and mm-hmm. you finally do it. They're like, you know, do you, do you interact with the girls? Do you not? What was sort of the general take on it? I mean, how did you feel about it when you were doing it? Because you it already passed. So we, we we ran through it like I think three or four times. The first the first couple of times were getting used to the catwalk. They don't have the models there. They have sort of stand-in extras okay. with big cardboard signs on saying, <laughs> you know, Kendall, mm. you know, and, and Gigi. And, all, and they, they just have these big signs so you can kind of get a sense of when they're going to be coming out. Right. Um, also awkward to interact yeah, with the uh, yeah. cardboard cutouts. And... At the time, they don't have their big, massive dresses. They right. don't have anything. They're just kind of walking around in, in their kind of normal day-to-day clothes, these extras. So that was all good. You know, we kind of got the feel of it and felt really confident. And then you do two runs with the models, full dress, full everything, with an audience. And that's when it was like a little it's really difficult. It's really happening, yeah. Because the catwalk isn't that wide. Right, right, sure. For one. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm fairly animated anyway. So I'm just You're like, am I going to fall off this thing? I was thinking, yeah, am I going to fall off? <laughs> and I, am I going to stand on one of their fucking skirts or something? Right, right. Because that was real. Yeah. And apparently I went like this at one point. <laughs> hit a girl in the and face. And I almost hit someone. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but I know Adam was... Having like Ferris anxiety before. Yeah, I couldn't sleep the night before. Really? Well, that's a pretty I, big deal, isn't I it? I mean, because I had to go down the catwalk with my guitar, and I was like, because they have got the big wings on and stuff. Right. And I was like, what if I knock one of the wings and they fall <laughs> right. off or something like that? So, see, I'm like Larry David. So anything that could go wrong, I thought would go wrong. That's yeah. how I would be. It was. It was. It was terrifying. But. It's amazing. But we we did. A, I I think we did a really great job, and and um, I think the audience really liked it. And, I, and one of the great things. I thought about the whole experience was, you know, we were really rubbing shoulders with massive um, top 40 pop stars, yeah. you know, and I, and I loved the irony that really not a lot of people really knew who we were, yeah. you know, like you you had Halsey, Rita Ora, Rita Ora yeah. Shawn Mendes, yeah. Chainsmokers. Right. It was really cool to be there and, and not only be there, but close the, the whole show yeah. and do two incredible, songs. Incredible. Yeah, and also I, don't, I wouldn't say a lot of rock bands have done that no. before. Maybe the first rock band to ever play the VS show, I think, I believe, right? I mean, I'd have to fact check that, but I, like, I think. I think it's full, oh, okay, all right. Well, anyway, the first like 
Rock, rock and roll band. band. Yeah, yeah. The most recent rock, rock, rock and roll band. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I do want to jump for a minute because obviously, listen, inevitably, I actually, when I saw that Queen movie, I was like, you could have played Freddie Mercury because right. the inevitable comparisons of the years. I mean, for anybody that hasn't seen the struts, Luke is one of the greatest rock showmans happening at the moment and just an incredible, you're an incredible showman. So, Thank you. But I mean, obviously, everyone has feelings about this movie. I know that the timeline of the movie is probably not that accurate but mm-hmm. at the end of the day it is entertainment um i think rami did a great job but did you guys like it what'd you think i thought it was i thought it was um i mean for me personally it's been a very um funny journey because before um it all kind of started to get properly filmed i actually got a call to go for a camera test when the who was it? Brian Singer ended yeah. up directing it. Yeah. So the the director before him, oh Jonas was, Ackerman, right? Was it was no? It was Jonas's friend. Oh, I thought it was Jonas. Was, okay. was up for doing it, and Jonas actually put me forward and said, "Look, I've worked with this guy. I think he'd be perfect." Anyway, you do, you do agree he would have he would have done great in the role. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, know your acting skills. But I, I, I mean, like you could have pulled that off. I mean, who knows? <laughs> at at the right. end of the day, so I was I was really kind of like excited, um, and I you know I was kind of honored to be thought of. Yeah, and. Um, Literally a week before the camera test, everything went really quiet. And then the director got changed by the band. Oh, right, Brian right. Singer came in and he right. brought Rami. And, and I was so upset. I didn't listen to Queen for like 48 hours. <laughs> right. and then, Only um, 48 hours. And then, but honestly, so for me, I was watching that film and I was just so happy that I thought Rami did a fantastic job. Um, I really do. Yeah. I, I think um, I think they did the right thing that they used Freddie's original voice with the, with the vocals. Um, I mean, I guess the fact that the band was in on the movie and it was all authorized. I mean, yeah. obviously the timeline's not correct and all that kind of stuff. So you want to? There's definitely a, a you know for the very the, the fans that are really into the band have been into the band for years. You're probably watching it thinking this wasn't like this. It didn't happen like yeah. this. But ultimately, I guess if Brian May and the other guys were sort of in on it, then you got to imagine they wanted it, you know to portray a picture that was portrayed obviously right i think it gives i think it gives every singer a lesson don't trust your guitarist and drummer to be in charge of your legacy on on film (laughs) because you know i mean i I think the only things i took away that were quite negative was um how they kind of painted freddie to be like the real troublemaker and and they use that as like a as part of the narrative yeah i agree which i thought was very it didn't really have a lot of um substance really or, yeah. or truth to really stand on its own but at the end of the day it's hollywood Definitely. and what's the most important thing was that you know i think everyone leaves the cinema or you know finishes that film appreciating like what a great songwriter he was what a great band they were absolutely and what fantastic songs they are as well amazing song so i do want to play some more music before you guys go we have a little bit left to talk about so let's play in love with the camera because yeah. obviously there's a whole fashion component we want to come back and talk about in one second how did that song come about is it a selfie instagram world i mean was that inspired by any of this world we live in now it was actually it was the very first works of that song was a joke song Oh, Funny okay. enough, it was it's the jokes that's gone too far, and um, you and Adam were working on that joke song. It was <laughs> we literally sat down um, with a producer that we were we've done a lot of great stuff with, and he's uh, really helped us um, develop our sound over the years. And we just sort of said, look, let's just do something really different, something quite meat and potatoes basic. You know, it's not think too much. Right, right. Anyway, so it's a fun song. It is. It's super fun, and yeah. we wanted it to be fun. And we then sort of like 
laid something down literally the first idea was done in about two or three hours and then me and Az jumped back on a plane flew back to the UK and then a week later we kind of had the first workings of, of what would become in love with the camera it was a completely different lyric wow what was it called it was what was L- it love in a stereo in lo- love in an elevator love in a stereo yeah or something like that it had many different names it got rewritten about 10 times yeah wow. that was that was the hardest song to to do and and it wasn't until um I was actually sort of on a, a miniature vacation up in Topanga, just sort of getting away from everything. And my manager sort of called me up and said, hey, you know, um, the producer that you've been working with in LA sort of like has this idea and, and wants to know whether you'd be up for trying it. And I was like, all right, right fuck it. I'm, <laughs> I'm coming down. So I drove yeah. down onto uh, Hollywood Boulevard, came up and then all of a sudden it was like, you know, what about cameras? What about cell phones? Right. All this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I was like... Because you are a very visual band. Let's yes, face it, yes. So, right? And then yeah. I didn't really think... I, I, I wasn't completely sold on it, but I have to tell the truth. As soon as I sung the first working l- lyric where it ended the cadence with in love with a camera, I was like, yeah, I think this could actually really work. And, and, and as much as I didn't really want to admit it, I kind of knew that, yeah, this right could thing, really yeah. work. And then obviously from then on, it, it, it very quickly got finished and, and we worked the lyric up and uh, eventually cut the song. Check out the band in Australia with Greta Monfleet. I believe the dates are um, 29th through the 6th coming up. So it's like real soon. Yeah. So they're just the two bands together. That's awesome. That's going to be a great bill. Are you excited about that? I, I am actually, yeah. I, I, we're, we're super buzzing to to get out there, get our foot in the door with um, the, the Australians. I think Australia, for me, you know, has had like a, a big history of, I mean, Bon Scott. Right. You know, one Can't of my favourite singers of all time, you know, is is such an Australian, like, through and through. Um, Do you ever like any other, like, rock, Rose Tattoo? Do you know them? Like I don't any, know them, no. Uh, Midnight Oil? You must know Midnight, Midnight Oil. Right? I know one song with Midnight Oil. I don't want to sing. <laughs> Come on, yeah, that's but, the one, yeah. yeah. Um, but any other Australian bands you like? I mean, you've got the... God, I mean, I... Let's listen to Wolf Mother. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I like yeah, Wolf yeah. Mother, Are they yeah. Australian? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, there's got to be some other... In Excess? Uh, in Excess, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys must know. Um, I'm sure you guys know some Australian bands that you like, right? We were just talking about the fact that you guys are playing over there soon, yeah, which is right. awesome. So, any Australian bands that you're into? Uh, Jet. Oh, I love Jet. Oh, yeah. Jet. That's great. Yeah. 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 I forgot about Jet. Yeah, great band. Get great Born band. is is fantastic. Is it? Would it be realistic to say that Jet sort of has a similar music musical sphere as you guys? I think yeah. it's in the same. I think so. Yeah. Realm. Yeah. They're yeah. often there. I mean. It's often a reference for us with writing. Yeah. It's something that we all, when we started out as musicians and we played, well, the bands that I personally played when I first started bands was like the Hives. Right, I love the Hives, yeah. That kind of sort of garagey. It's always an interesting question that I love to ask at the sort of the end of each show here. If you could join any band that wasn't the Struts, what would it be? Mm. 
So I'm going to go for you, Luke, first. Um, oof. Well, obviously. Obviously. Obviously, you know, if, if Adam Lambert ended up breaking his leg, you know. You'll fill in. I could, yeah, I could, yeah, I could, I could fill in for a couple of shows. All right. Know? So that would be Queen. Get I, I would go Oasis, I think. Oasis. It's, okay. It's, it's not like the toughest job, really, is it? Like, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Living on that tour bus would be the. Yeah, I think it would be fun. If they ever got back together, obviously. That yeah. may never well, happen. You know. Yeah. What about you, Jen? Mine would probably be the Killers. The Killers, right? I Just actually read those, that. Yeah. Yeah. You love them. I do. Yes. Yeah. They kind of got me into music. Yeah. yeah. And Adam, what about you? Um, probably the Stones or something, because you know, to be when we used to cover those songs and stuff like that, it's like. The freedom to just jam. Yeah. And that's probably why they're still doing it because it's just so fun to jam them songs and you can just play for hours. Definitely. I will say, like, watching you guys at the Roxy, it was so amazing to see how into it the crowd was. Because I really, I see rock shows a lot, but you don't see crowds as into it as they were for you guys. And it was like this kinetic energy. I mean, we had, we actually did a photo shoot during the day, which is incredible. And one of my favorite photo shoots I've done to date, which is great. Thank you. But um, do you guys like doing photo shoots or you're into it? Because fashion is a big part of what you do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... Um, Do you have a favorite one, like a Mick Rock one or something? We actually haven't done anything with Mick Rock. Oh, okay, okay. No, um, and I, we've been meaning to... I know he's he's been interested in, in working with us, so that would be really cool. Um, I, think, I think they're all kind of unique and special. I mean, the one that we did at the Roxy, I thought was, was particularly special because it, you know, for now we can look back on those pictures... And not only are they kind of like really cool and, and vibey, but it also captures like a specific moment of time, which, you know, when we think about those those three shows, was it three or four? four. It was four. four shows that, I mean, God, we had so many great people come up with us. We had Butch Walker, we had Tommy Lee, Randy Jackson. Randy Jackson, um, shout out to Randy Jackson, my boy. We, yeah. we even, we had Ralph. We had Ralph from Steel Panther. We oh, had yeah. um, Chad, Smith. Chad Smith. Yeah, you know, everyone, I mean, yeah. Matt Sorum. Matt Sorum. I mean, everyone. Great. What a great bunch of nights. So, you know, they're all, they're all unique in their own way. Definitely. Definitely. So for 2019 guys, right? So here we are, Australia, a bunch of dates coming up and then what's next. Cause obviously there's going to be another single right now. We're on body talks, mm-hmm. top 40 radio, which is great. And what's in store for 2019? You guys are always on the road. I feel like there's more road stuff going We're on. We're definitely right? going to be going on the road. We're actually about to head to the United Kingdom. Amazing. And do our biggest tour there today which is great we're going to be playing the legendary shepherd's bush oh amazing um which you know we've all been to to shows there as individuals um watching other bands and i, and I think it's always been like a dream of ours to to do that specific venue well it has has been for me anyway yeah. um so that's going to be a real landmark for us we're we're going into europe as well which is right. great we're going back to um to Paris as well, which will be very nostalgic and, awesome. and sort of almost like a second homecoming in, in a few ways. And uh, from that, we then, we're going to be popping back here for like very small, small run and a couple of like private shows. And then we're going to be doing the Young and Dangerous uh, tour, which is going to go all the way through America. Um, we're going to be hitting some festivals. Right. Um, we're doing Shaky Knees this year. We're doing... What was the other one that we got confirmed the other day, which was great? 
maybe can't announce it yet, but yeah, it sounds yeah. cool. There's oh, a shit. Fantastic. Okay, <laughs> we're, also, we're also Sorry. going to Japan as well. Amazing. Which is going to be fantastic. Do you ever feel like the danger, I mean, the record's called Young and Dangerous. Do you ever feel like the danger should come back into rock and roll a little bit? I mean, you look. I know you, you, you I feel like you and I agree with this. Like, you look at Guns N' Roses and what that was all about and like yeah, that time period, right? You can't do that anymore, can I know. you really? Because you I mean, it's, not, it's not as easy anymore. Like, you're, you know, you've got to really work for it. Like, Definitely. Today. Cause but you love rock and roll documentaries, right? Do yes. Lo- yeah. So I was watching this documentary actually this morning. Gigi Allen. Have you ever heard of him? No. Man, you got to watch it. That was like beyond bringing back the rock and roll. The guy would like, it was like Iggy Pop when he used to cut himself, but to like the a thousand degree, it was really twisted. Oh, but I know about him. He man, that was, yeah, yeah. We don't want to yeah, do stuff. Thing. That was like, yeah. geez, that was a heavy one. But so bring him back. I don't want to bring that back. No, we don't want to bring, we definitely want to bring that back. But bring him back the danger into rock and roll even a little bit would be great don't you agree i, I mean? think for me like personally the danger element that comes with like this music is 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 living and dying by our own sword right. that's that's kind of why it kind of adopted that name because you know let's be really honest what we're doing what we sound like how we present ourselves is not the norm and it probably isn't the easiest way to go about being successful in the music industry in Definitely. 2019. So that's the danger element. And I think that's what I would like to see with bands is, um, you know, them being inspired and, and brave enough to kind of like say, you know what, I don't care about what's on the radio. I don't care about the trends. This is what I love. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, a- and do it to its absolute best. Hey, by the way, so leave the story a little bit PC because we are on the radio. But the last great story, I was researching you guys. You guys saw that I did my homework, right? So great <laughs> stories that happened in school, right? There's one last thing I wanted to talk about because I was dying laughing when I watched what you guys were talking about when you were in school and your, your stories, right? The funniest thing or the naughtiest thing, whatever you ever did, right? What was that in school? Because I, I was an absolute terror at school. I really was. I, the story is true i did dip my balls into my music teacher's coffee when he was out of the room how does that even happen i I don't even understand how that happens yeah i was uh, i you know i used to crave attention and uh you know and whatnot um and god i mean i remember we locked our chemistry teacher in in the chem in the in the uh the chemicals cupboard he he went in to grab something. We literally took it and then shut the door and put a pencil in there. And he, Amazing. He, and then we all just ran out. And he couldn't get out. Um, <laughs> God, we set the roof on fire with a Bunsen Jesus. burner. I didn't go to school like that. What happened? What about you guys? Do you have stories like no, that? No, I, I mean, no. I, I you had, you told a story too, guys. What was mine? You like, put like but, Vaseline on the. Oh, yeah, not, I mean, on. not that, that dangerous, that like, <laughs> but I do remember. Yeah, there was a that's story, young and right? dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. Putting Vaseline <laughs> in my teacher's uh, handle. No. What about you guys? You have stories from growing up at school? Like, like your a golden boy. Really you, were, you, were, you were, right? I could tell you were very, a very good student. I was not. I, think, I don't think we would have been pals in school, put it that right. way. You were like the, I would have been the kid. Were you the jock in school? Or? No, I was sporty, but sporty, right? I was, I don't know, I wasn't, I don't know. I yeah. was a nice lad, you know. School. You were, right. Adam, anything? <laughs> Any stories from school? Nah, man, I was the loser. You were the loser. proper was. I yeah. don't believe it. I don't yeah, believe and I, I think I got caught smoking in the bushes once. That, yeah. That's a story. So, uh, guys, <laughs> <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> well, you guys, go out and download the record, Young and Dangerous. Amazing band, the Struts. If you guys don't know them, you know, pick up everything Struts related. The greatest band happening in rock and roll at the moment. Love these guys. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, keep it alive, guys. Thanks. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Jingle Jared. 
In my former occupation, I was the biggest jingle writer of all time. Now, I'm looking for a new job, speaking to every entrepreneur that I can find so I can find out what it's like to transition from one career to another. All of this expert advice has become the bedrock for a podcast I'm calling Occupational Therapy. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a call from an inmate at the Indiana State Prison. My name is Phil Chalmers, and I'm a serial killer profiler. How many murders are you responsible for? 36. 47 and 52. I found Sister's killer. I want to see him face to face. Listen to Where the Bodies Are Buried, a true crime podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast 